Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dabo Prospect Report, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is report number 46. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here, and with me is Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete? Hey, Victor. I am good as always. It's a long weekend in both USA and Canada's weekend, so enjoying that. I'm getting into a couple of games, doing some family time on family day. How are you, my friend? Yeah, same. It's been a it's been a nice long weekend, mostly kind of relaxing. And I didn't go to any games, played played some hockey myself. That was fun. Family came and watched and I didn't embarrass myself. So so that's always a plus, right? Indeed it is. Indeed it is. I haven't <laughs> been on the ice for a while, but you know, it's good to, good to get out there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we got some feedback about the last time we did an episode where we kind of compared guys in real life to fantasy and kind of just did a little projection of what we thought was going to happen in the draft. People seem to like it. So we're going to do a little bit more of that. We're going to talk 2024 draft. Obviously, we don't know where some of the these guys are going to go, but we're going to talk a little bit about some comparisons and who we kind of like. And hopefully the, the point is to just give some more context about what makes these guys tick. So. That'll be the plan for today. This episode is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. Follow at HockeyPodNet for more great hockey podcasts. You can use our DraftKings promo code THPN to listen to the show. More on that in a bit. And we're also proudly sponsored by Fantrax, the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play. It is completely customizable for however you want to set up your draft from scoring categories, an amazing draft room to host the draft, draft pick trading, and a treasury option, plus so much more. Use our promo code to sign up for a free league using the link fantracks.com forward slash DPR show. All right. So I think we approach this exercise a little bit differently, Pete. But like I said, the point is that we can give our listeners a little idea of what's going on. I tried to pick guys that were kind of in a similar consensus range, but that didn't always work either. So (laughs) mostly kind of comparing positions and players that might be around a similar value in fantasy. So that's kind of what we're going to look at. You want to go first? You want me to hit off the first couple? Hit it. All right. So the first two I'm going to talk about are defensemen. And I got a couple of these, as we mentioned, pretty good graph for defensemen. So Artem Lefchunov and Carter Yakumchuk are the two that I'm going to talk about. The consensus, a little bit disparate for these two, I would say. Five for Lefchunov and 17 for Yakumchuk. So... Let's talk a little bit about these two. They are both good-sized right-handed defensemen. They have some similarities and some obvious differences. So let's talk a little bit about Lev Shunov first. He is a six foot two, hundred ninety-eight pound right-handed D, consolidated number five. The high Chris Peters high on him at number two. Tony Ferrari is the low one here from the Hockey News. He's at twenty for him, and he's a really interesting guy. So both these guys, I should mention, also are really old for their draft class. That's another similarity they have. And he is, Lipschunov is an October 28th birthday, so just about six weeks away from being eligible from last year. So that's that's interesting. He played in Belarus just a couple seasons ago in a really sort of weak league, but was doing really well. Came over to the USHL last year and did pretty well, then transferred, then, uh, then went to Michigan State. And he's been pretty incredible so far for Michigan State. 30, 20 points in 30 games. Most of those are assists. And he is currently, of all NCAA defenders who played at least 30 games, all time, he's 17th in points per game. All time, points per game, 
Artem Lushinov, 17th. That's pretty that's pretty insane production there. So he's he's really having a pretty historic production season wise. I think, you know, that's something to keep in mind. And I think the other thing that people really like about Lushinov is that he just doesn't really have a lot of deficiencies. He skates really well, he's physical, he's got a good shot, he's pretty confident. And the way that the Spartans play, they kind of let him be a little bit of a rover, which is which is fun. And so he gets around and, and does a does a lot with 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 his skating and, and is able to maneuver quite a bit. So I like that. He gets involved in the play. He's playing a lot, almost 23 minutes a night with a good amount of power play time. His pris are also pretty strong. 1.27 hits, a block per game, and two and a half shots per game. That's pretty nice. And I mentioned he had a lot of assists, 20 assists, and they're pretty much split half and half down the middle, primary, secondary. So that's good. He's not getting like just a ton of secondary assists. If you look at the PNHLE for Levshunov, he's looking like well beyond a first line or yeah, beyond a first line potential. He's kind of bumping up towards that point per game, which is pretty high and probably a little bit unrealistic, but he's looking really good in that model. If you look at hockey prospecting, he's got a basically a bunch of stars and and Ryan Murphy as his comp. So Hedman, Dalene, Bouchard, I think he looks a, a fair amount like Bouchard. And, you know, people remember Bouchard now, but he took a little bit of time to, you know, really become the sort of fancy star that he is that may or may not take that much time with Lifshunov. I think he's just got a really high floor and, you know, he's someone who certainly can run a power play. So you like that for him. And I also think that he's, well, we'll get into that a little bit where I think they'll be drafted. Let's start, let's talk about Carter Yakumchuk. I love this name, Pete, Yakumchuk. I don't know another prospect where you have two references of vomiting within the same last name yakum chuck yak chuck okay <clears throat> anyway so great name and he's a 6 394 right-handed d good size right there september 29th birthday so even older he's just less than two weeks away from being eligible from last week's draft so that's uh, that's always a bit interesting both these guys maybe have a little bit less runaway or you could just say they're more developed they're they're High production is maybe a little bit more expected. But anyways, he's a consensus number 17 pick, is Jackham Chuck. A high, again, is Chris Peters at 10. And the low, again, is Tony Ferrari at 27. So interesting that they people seem to, or at least the high and the low was the same here. Jackham Chuck is killing it for the Calgary Hitmen with 54 points in 50 games, over a point per game in his draft season. That's a pretty special thing to do. He also had a pretty strong D minus one season with 47 points in 67 games. And he's got pretty strong offensive instincts. I think he's definitely a bit more offensive leaning than Levshunov, but he also is doing this for a team that doesn't have a ton of skill. Their Calgary Hitmen are currently fifth out of six in the Eastern Conference Central Division of the WHL. Although they are nine out of 22 WHL teams in terms of goals for, so they score a lot, but they get scored on a lot too. So that's hurting them. Yakumchuk, his PNHLE has has kind of trended up towards about 74 in that model. He's got some pretty good comps, guys like Charlie McAvoy, Quinn Hughes, Tony D'Angelo. And then if you look in the hockey prospecting model, his star potential is a little lower than Levshunas. Levshunas was 73. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Yakumchuk is 53. So he's got a couple of less exciting comps, guys like Cam York, Yusuf Alamaki, and Ty Smith. Those of you who remember Ty Smith, he was an awesome WHL player and currently struggling to get back into the NHL. He's in the AHL in Pittsburgh system. So there was still a lot of potential there with Smith, but it hasn't really come to fruition. 
So that could be the path of Yakumchuk. And when you just look at these two together, it sure seems like Lifshinov has more star potential. But I think with both these guys, it's a bit like high floor versus high upside. I, I think the upside is maybe a little higher with Yakumchuk. They're both right trash, both good size, both old for the draft class. Typically, I like the high upside guy, but I just can't ignore the super high floor that Lifshunov brings and the fact that I think that Lifshunov is going to be the first defender taken. I think he is going to go in the top five. And so that's going to earn him just a ton of leash. And it's hard, it's hard to ignore those guys. Typically, the real draft and the and the fantasy drafts are a little bit different in terms of your evaluation, but it's hard to ignore those guys going top five, right? So that's a bit difficult. But I, I really I think with Yakumchuk, there's more variability. And with Lefshunov, I think he's going to be a top four defender. So for this too, I'll take Lefshunov. But I think Yakumchuk is someone to really think about as someone who could be available in, in the mid to late fantasy draft who could have some really high upside. So I just wanted to bring a little bit more attention to his name too. So that's a lot on those two guys. Pete, what do you think about Lifshunov, Yakumchuk? I know you're a notoriously, you're a guy who hates defenders, so you probably just hate both of them, right? Not as much as Tony. So my big takeaway from this analogy is Tony doesn't like D. Yeah, so these are these are both two prospects in this draft class that I think have been, been rising in their draft year. Lefshunov has had a nice steady consistent uptick in his is in his rankings all season right he's been moving up and moving up and moving up and you know beginning of the year it's hard not to to notice guys like sam dickinson and zane parek with his offensive prowess lefshunov is has had a, a really impressive NCAA freshman season side by side with Booyam. There's probably a really nice comparison between those two being in the same league. I think that would be an interesting comparison as well. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first one drafted at this point now. I'm not sure that he's the first guy I would draft in a fantasy draft. I'm looking at D from this draft class. Uh, But like you said, he does have a very, very reliable floor and he's Russian, but he's already playing in North America. So that really diminishes the Russian factor here as well, which I think is important to note. And Yakumchuk, another another really great option in your fantasy draft for D. I know you like the fact that he's got size, mobility, he shoots right, and he's a point-of-game player in his draft year as a defenseman in the WHL. Might be a little bit more incubation period with Yakumchuk than Lev Shunov, I think. It's difficult to say because they're playing in such different leagues. The NCAA is is older and more advanced than than the junior leagues. So that might have something to do with why he's ranked a little lower as well. Probably will be ranked lower in fantasy draft rankings also. But yeah, Yakumchak does have some some pretty interesting offensive upside. And, and given his size, I'm, I'm curious what his, off the top of my head, I don't know, but what his peripheral categories look like if he's if he's good at hits and blocks as well using that size yeah so that's my thought on on those two overall yeah i can speak to that a little bit but i just wanted to mention that Lifshunov is belarusian for those who are scoring at home i know it may not make much difference to the here mm. to us but you know they're also under the same you know being banned from international right. competitions and stuff with russia so it, it feels like the same <laughs> the yakimchuk is Pretty good with the perifs too. I mean, he's he's getting 
over a block, over a hit per game, almost a hit and a half. But he shoots a lot more. I mean, the WHL, I think, is a little easier to get shots off in. He's doing four shots a game, so that's great. I think it's a little harder to, to get the shots. I think their perifs are probably about, will end up being similar, if not the same. For my comps this, this episode, I'm picking guys who are in a similar consensus range, play in the same leagues, or have other comparisons like that. And mainly, I just also picked guys who, selfishly, I wanted to learn a little bit more about for my own purposes. So the first couple guys I went with are playing in uh, Russia, and that's Igor Shirishov and Nikita Artemov. Artemonov. I'm terrible with Russian names. Anyways, so first guy up would be Igor Shirnishov. He's a left winger, six foot two, 192 pounds. Let's see. He's playing in the MHL and the KHL. He's kind of bounced between the, the two of the leagues. In the MHL, He's played 18 games. He's scored 10 goals and 14 assists for 24 points, which is pretty prolific offensive production. Not so much in the KHL. 33 games, three goals, one assist for four points there and limited ice time. He is a consensus ranked 18th overall with a high rankings of 10 and 13 from Dauber Prospects and TA Hockey News' Ryan Kennedy. And his lower ranks are 24 which was Schmatt Scouting and Craig Button. Our prospect site gives him a fantasy upside of eight and an NHL certainty of eight. So those are pretty favorable numbers for a player who has inconsistent scoring at different levels in the Russian le leagues. So a little bit of confidence there. His PHNLE, however, is pretty low at a score of 25. What he is, is he's a smooth skating playmaker with power forward elements. This is right off of his Dauber Prospects profile page, which by the way, if you're looking, there's, I think there's about 50 players profiled from the 24 draft now on the Dauber Prospects homepage. If you're looking for that, it's right on the top menu bar where it says NHL draft and just choose the 2024 option there, easy peasy. He is also under contract in the KHL through 2024-2025. So a little bit of a little bit of contract wait time there, but for an 18-year-old, I don't really think that that matters very much as long as he doesn't sign an extension. So his star probabilities on hockey prospecting is 43% and 63% for NHL probabilities. So a little bit more confident in him making the NHL than him being a star. And his comps are not overwhelming at this point yet. You're looking at maybe Nikolai Goldolbin, Connor Zary, Ben Mayer, Myers type player. So none of those guys have really established themselves as stars yet. So we'll see where we go with Chernyshov. And then his counterpart, Victor, I've got in this category is countryman Nikita Artemanov. He's a forward, left wing, right wing. So he's got dual positional eligibility so far. He's smaller. He's 5'11", 187, but he's playing full-time in the KHL with Torpedo, and in 51 games, he's got seven goals and 22 points. So he's pacing at a quarter point a game for a player that started the year as 17 years old. That's pretty good. He's been getting top six minutes there. He was named the KHL Rookie of the Month not once but twice in October, and he's getting power play time there as well. He's a consensus ranked 27th, so further down than Chernyshov. 
And his highest rankings is Dauber Prospects has him at 14th. So does Hockey News. And he's as low as outside the first round, 34 and 38, by some pretty reputable names like Bob McKenzie and Craig Button. So this is a guy who I think has very similar upside to a player who's a mid-round first player. And if you could snag him in the second round of your draft, this is a really prime example of a player you can be getting first round value out of in a in your second pick in the second round. Dauber Prospects fantasy upside is eight with an NHL certainty of seven and a half. So similar to Share Shine Off, but a little less on the certainty side. However, his as PHNLE on by Mason Black has him as a 90, which is superstar potential. So that's a huge swing from Shershanov's 25. And what this player is off his profile at Dauber Prospects is skilled, intelligent, high motor winger who has played impressive hockey in Torpedo's top six and top power play unit at 17 years old. His contract status is 25 26, so a little longer, but still not. Not a real concern. Someone you're going to have to sit on, but most of these kids are are that long out from the NHL. Anyway, Hockey Prospecting has his star probabilities and NHL probabilities very, very similar. They're both 43, but the star probability for Artemanov is a little bit higher at 83 compared to Shershanov's 60. And his comparables are... Pretty vanilla as well. Alex Tangay being the only star comparable here. Rob Niedermeyer is also a comparable for Artemanov. So those, that's my first pair there, Victor. I got a couple of Russians. What do you think about either of these guys? And if it's your pick and you're picking in the teens and you're looking at taking one of these guys, which one do you take? Yeah, I think you laid it out really nicely. I think that I would go with Artemanov. I, I think that they both have some interesting features. I mean, Artemanov's a little bit smaller, but and they're both really old for this draft class. They're both November birth dates, so you know that's probably helping them play a little bit. You know, in in the KHL earlier. When I look at these equivalencies, one thing jumps out to me, and that is that Chernyshov's is based on his MHL time, and Artemanov's is based on his KHL time, and I definitely trust that KHL equivalency a little bit more. I think that it's just it's so variable in the MHL. And, and one thing I always think about is, is, is it possible for someone to be tearing up this league at this age and then not translate? And that happens way more in the MHL than other leagues. So that makes me just a little bit more skeptical. But I do think that he's that Chernyshov is also, you know, the fact that he's playing in the KHL, he's just not scoring a lot. I, I, I wouldn't hold that against him necessarily. I think that there's still some pretty nice upside there for him. And, you know, he obviously showed his great potential in the MHL. So I like that for him. But I think that I would, I would, yeah, I, if I were had a mid first, I would probably lean Artemanov. Yeah, in the, in the KHL, Schoenershaw is getting about 10, 4 to 10 minutes. And he's going up and down, back and forth between the two. And he's playing 20 minutes when he's in the MHL. So his last 10 games were two in the KHL before he played two in the MHL. And before that, he played three in the KHL, then one in the MHL, and then two in the KHL. It's like up and down like a yo-yo. So I can imagine that would be difficult conditions to play under with in terms of finding consistency with your with the coaching and the teammates and the quality competition and your ice time. It's, it's frustrating when 
organizations treat prospects like that, just bounce them around, it makes it really difficult to gauge consistency from them, you know? Yeah, I have to imagine that's so hard. I mean, I, I can't imagine as a player trying to keep your head straight and know what you're, what's expected of you and, and try to just, you know, do your best each night when you're getting bounced all around. So I feel for him. And yeah, I definitely think there's still a lot of potential there. And a lot of that, that difficulty may not be on him necessarily. All right, let's move on to my next one then. And I'm going to go with a couple of forwards this time. Consta Hellenius versus Berkeley Catton. And these two are actually pretty similarly ranked. So consolidated eight for Consta Hellenius and consolidated six for Berkeley Catton. So did a better job of getting these two in the same range. So let's talk about these two. Consta Hellenius, 5'11", 181 pound forward. There's debate whether he's a center or wing. He's definitely played a lot of center this year. He's really young for his draft. He's a May 11th birth date. Consolidate 8, as I mentioned, high was 3 for recruit hockey and low 13, Tony Ferrari. Tony Ferrari is low on a lot of these for me. I don't know why. <laughs> and he's played the entire season for Eucharist. He was on, he's on loan from Tapara. And 17 years old, he'll be 17 years old this entire Liga season. To me, that's super impressive and I think has to be noted. And the league, a really hard league, not as hard as the SHL or KHL or AHL, but really difficult league. And it's also known for being very low scoring. So the fact that he has 33 points in 43 games is pretty ridiculous production for a 17-year-old in a difficult league to score in. He's also really good at the U20. Again, playing down a few years there for Finland. Yeah, he, he was really excellent in a lot of ways. He didn't put up a ton of points. He had two points in seven games, but he was driving play. He was really doing a lot of strong work there for the Finns, uh, who who just had trouble scoring in, in general. But he, Kalina Hellenius has a really strong, mature game. He's really smart, good at evading pressure. He's a great passer. He really manipulates defenders well into doing kind of what he wants them to do, creating space for his opponents. He, he does defer sometimes a little bit much. Maybe that's him just playing in a league with a bunch of older guys. So he creates pressure. He opens up some space and then defers maybe more instead of taking the shot than he should. But that, I think that's also just using your teammates really well. So Hellenius is PNHLE. He, he's rising in Mason's data set. He's looking kind of like close to a point per game player there. His, his comps are super interesting. Are you ready for this, Pete? So his number one comp is Michael Del Cole, who was kind of a bust, right? But a great junior player. And then the next most similar is Leon Dreisaitl. I don't know that you could be more different than <laughs> <laughs> And then the next one is Jeff Skinner, who, you know, would be a good outcome. So that's, I don't know what to make of that. I, I, I mean, somewhere between Michael Del Cole and Leon Dreisaitl, which is like the span of anyone, pretty much. And then Hockey Prospecting has Consta Hellenius at a 70% chance of a star. He only has two comps so far. I imagine Brian will, will add more, but Arturi Lekkonen and Willie Nylander are the two. And if I had to choose between those two, I definitely think he's more Lekkonen than Nylander, as disappointing as that might be for some people to hear, because you know we see what Willie Nylander is doing, and he's awesome. I think Hellenius' game is actually a bit more like Lekkonen's, who's just such a strong possession player. He's really good at driving play. He's a really good facilitator kind of connects plays and i think that's kind of what hellenius is looking and having a little bit more relevance now but he's certainly not that high-end dynamic forward that nylander is so 
And I think that's what it comes down to with Linus. I'm just not sure how dynamic he is or can be. So I, so I would put him in that camp of maybe closer than Lekanen. I think he can score more earlier on than Lekanen, but, you know, maybe closer to that. So that's him. And then <clears throat> that's Hellenius. And then Berkeley Cadden, well, he is a 5'11", 163-pound forward. His consolidated rank is number six, as I mentioned. And he. Here, the high is Tony Ferrari at two. That's pretty high <laughs> for, for Cadden. And the low is TSN, TS, yeah, TSN Craig Button at 13. So Cadden has 86 points in 52 games for Spokane of the WHL, and they're fourth in the Western Conference U.S. division of the WHL. He's a really good offensively leaning center. He can pass, he can shoot, he can, he can kind of beat you in a lot of different ways. He's kind of a bit of a two-way player, but not as good two-way as I would say as Hellenius is. So he's he's you know definitely more offensive leaning, whereas Hellenius is probably more defensive leaning, or sort of like two-way. Cadden's PNHLE is similar to to Hellenius, and he's kind of in that just over point per game player. His comps in that model are, are interesting. They actually also have Leon Drysaddle and Michael Delcol. I don't know how that happened, but those two. Are in there, and then the third one is Arthur Kaliev. So interesting comps for Cadden. Drysaddle was the WHLer, so maybe there's some rhymes there. Uh, but I picked up a, a different comp in hockey prospecting for him because I think he looks a bit more like Sam Reinhardt, who was who had similar numbers in the WHL, and then obviously now he's a NHL. But it, it took a while for him to get going, right? I remember in Buffalo, he wasn't all that good for a few years. But there's some other interesting comps there, like Brian Little, Cole Caulfield, Todd Harvey for Berkeley Catton. So these two are kind of interesting because I'm not sure either of them are going to be a center long term, but they both could be a center. And that might affect their projection because then if being a center and end up maybe being, you know, a middle six center because they can drive play well instead of being that more offensive leaning, that'll affect their points projection. But they also both seem like surefire NHLers. So I don't think you're going to go wrong here with having someone who doesn't play and just, I think the ceilings are a little bit different. I think the ceiling for Cadden is higher. Whereas the, the floor for Hellenius is just like, he's, he's for, like, he could play in the NHL probably like next season. That could not, maybe not be super productive, but his habits and his off puck game is so good already that I could see him surviving. So when you look at the two that Hellenius does have a little bit higher, our potential right now in hockey prospecting but i would lean cadden as the more offensive leaning guy that i think might have a little bit higher upside they're both kind of slightly undersized too at 511 and cadden even lighter that's about 15 pounds lighter in terms of the weight it might make might matter to some hellenius being a right shot center forward that to cadden's left that matters to some people but i don't think that matters as much as the right-handed defenders so anyways i think it's close between these two I would lean Cadden. I don't know what you think, Pete. They are really close, aren't they? Like neck and neck between these two. Um, so you could flip a coin, I suppose. Um, I think if you're doing a, an NHL draft, I, I probably lean a little bit more towards Hellenius because I like his more all-around game. And for a fantasy draft, I, I'm probably going with Catton because I think he's got a little bit more offensive panache, perhaps. And I haven't seen enough of Hellenius to to really say that with a lot of conviction so if there's people out there who are huge Hellenius fans and are rolling their eyes at me i apologize i guess another thing on 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 this one is at the range that these guys i think i would have them ranked is in the the 
bottom half of the top 10 of the top half of the next tier there. And when you get into that range, like the home run swings for forwards should probably be gone by then, right? So that's Caden Lindstrom, obviously Celebrini, Demidov. Those guys are probably gone. And so now you're looking at, you know, the defensemen. There'll be a group of defensemen that go shortly after the top two or three. And I guess some people would argue that Caden would be would be right there in the in the top half of that. And who would that be? That would be Tony Ferrari. He has him ranked number two. I'm not sure I'm I'm that bullish on Catton. So I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is when it gets to that range, I'd probably look at a defenseman over either of these guys because I think they'll be defensemen with a higher value than than these forwards. What do you think of that? Catton has the higher value. Catton has a higher value for fantasy, but between either of these guys, when you're looking at picking them in your in your draft, which will probably be after the top five near the near around the 10 range right would you rather take one of these forwards or look at one of the defensemen that are available like if Zeev Bouillon is still available wouldn't you rather have a guy like that over either of these forwards I I do think that there are three to five forwards that yeah that I would want more than a lot of these defensemen but at that point yeah after those first five or so are gone I think there's probably five to ten D that I would take a swing on because right they're they're more d i think that have point per game upside in this draft than than forwards which is kind of unusual you know that that's why i think it's so unusual that yeah i, I agree with you so like yeah if William is still there i can't imagine preck would still be there even left soon off some of the guys i've talked about like they, they, they could be they could be really great and so yeah i think that might be where i would go instead Light the lamps with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, so let's do another pair. I got a couple of forwards here. I've got Liam Greentree and Ryder Ritchie. A couple of players, forwards, playing in the CHL. And we'll start with Liam Greentree. He's a right winger playing with the Windsor Spitfires, and he's the captain in his draft-eligible season, which is impressive. Through 48 games, he's got 71 points, which is good for 1.48 points per game. He's got size, 6'2", 198 pounds, and he's a little bit older, 18.1 years old, versus Ryder Ritchie's 17.6. So he's, I would say, in the context of a draft eligible year, he's significantly older than Richie. And his fantasy upside and NHL certainty, his fantasy upside is eight with an NHL certainty of six. So that's a little bit low on the certainty to make it to the NHL side. However, his PHNLE score is 72, which projects him as first line potential. So... I'll leave it to you to decipher that, good listener. The rankings, he's a consensus overall 13th. High scores belong to elite prospects and Dauber prospects, two of the smartest organizations in hockey. They rank him 12 and 13. And low scores of 20 and 21 from Chris Peters and Sam Constantino, two pretty respectable talent evaluators there. The Dauber Prospects profile says the upside is a middle six scoring winger with power forward elements. We'll likely see him go higher on draft day than we have him. And Hadi said that. 
And what's interesting about that is, remember, Dauber Prospects ranks him 13th. So he's thinking that he could go even higher than that. Chris Peterson, Sam Constantino disagree. And what he is, is a, a sharp shooting winger with strong off-puck movement and puck protection tools, skating, and defensive improvements are required, but he has middle six upside. So that's Liam Greentree. His comparables are Paul Stastny, Jack Quinn, Joffrey Lupul. So some pretty good comps there. Hockey prospecting gives him an only 26% star probability. So they're kind of more in sync with the Dauber Prospects ranking than the PHNLE. However, hockey prospecting has him as a 53% probability to make the NHL. So pretty... Pretty decent, not tremendous, but pretty decent compare or probability for him to make it to the NHL. And as he's a, a little bit older for this draft class, you know, hopefully the incubation period is shorter. Now, the comparable or the contrast in this analogy, we're looking at Ryder Ritchie, who is right winger playing with the Prince Albert Raiders out in the dub. He's played 34 games. He's got an injury. 31 points, so just under a point a game at 0.91 points per game. A little bit smaller than Green Tree coming in at six foot 174, and he's only 17.6 years old with an August 3rd birth date. Dauber Prospects Fantasy Upside has him at eight and a half with a seven and a half NHL certainty. So a little bit higher on both sides there from Dauber Prospects. However, his PHNLE score is only a 56, which gives him second-line potential. The rankings for him are high watermark of 10 and 11 from Sam Constantino and McKean's, and low scores outside of the first round, 35 and 36 from Chris Peters and Dauber Prospects. So that's interesting that he goes as far as outside the first round as some people, whereas Greentree was was all in the first round. What Richie is, is a skilled quick winger who still needs to incorporate more mature off-puck habits before he can make the jump to pro hockey. His comparables are perhaps a little less favorable, with the best ones being Kevin Hayes and David DeHarnay. Hockey prospecting also gives him an 18% star probability and 58% NHL probability. It's a good thing this show is is audio only because Victor's getting naked here. Anyways, Victor, I'm all distracted by your striptease there. That's my comparison between Green Tree and Ryder Ritchie. Looks like Green Tree is the slam dunk between these two. However... There's almost a year's worth of difference in age between them. So Ryder Ritchie's got a lot more development runway to grow. And I think Green Tree is is pretty ripe. And he's pretty close to being what he is. We'll see how that develops when he turns to the pro level. But right now, with all the data that we have, who do you like between these two? I, I think for me, it's Green Tree. Yeah, I think it's Green Tree for me too. And yeah, sorry for the changing of my shirt. I have something run off to after this but i'm not trying to distract you good buddy i do think that i do agree with what you said about richie though i really like these guys that show some potential even if their game's a little immature when they are super young and the fact that he's an august birthday he has a lot more runway to take off he's exactly the kind of guy writer richie who could have a monster season and and you know nearly double his production next year in the whl and so 
you like that. And definitely those are the kind of guys I want to take a take a flyer on. So typically in the end of my first round, I'm looking at guys like that. I'm saying like, who is really young for this draft class? Who has a lot of skill? Who needs to refine their game and could really pop off next year? So I probably would take Green Tree, And I do think he'll probably go higher too. It seems like a lot of times, even if it's a weak OHL draft class, people tend to favor prospects from there too, uh, I would say. So that might be leaning his favor. Plus he's got just got the size and he's got the shot. So you like that. But yeah, I think that uh, I would, I would take green tree, but I definitely like a uh, writer. And I think that he's someone who I would certainly be interested in, you know, mid to late round pick, depending on how deep your draft is. Cool. 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 Of course, dude. That is cool. Gotcha. Your next comparables are two players that I'm really interested in hearing your take on. Cause you know, I've, I've, Got some interest in both of these guys, but I've also got some cause for concern with either of these guys. So I'll, I'll turn it back to you for, for now. Yeah, definitely. These are two guys, Adam Yerichek and Aaron, both guys, I would say I'm not reaching on either of them, but I would be happy to walk out of a draft with either of them. As a later pick, both guys have been talked about for a while since 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 before this draft year and it's specifically Aaron Kibihario. I remember some of the Finnish scouts talking that I was talking with a couple of years ago saying, just wait till 2024. We have this young undersized defenseman that's destroying the U16 circuit. And I just remember like, Oh, okay. Like the, uh, not the U16, sorry, the U20. So as a 16 year old, Aaron Kibihario had 30 points in 35 U20 SM Saria games which is really, really ridiculous scoring, even for a defenseman. So he's been playing up levels for a really long time. I mean, he was playing U16 when he was like 13 and U18 when he was like 15. And then then he was too good for that league. So he went up to the U20 when he was 16. So he's a 5'10", 165-pound left-handed D. And coming into this season, he was being talked about as a potential top five pick. You know, he like all these great defensemen we've been talking about, he was mentioned in the same breath as a lot of them. Now he's a consensus 21 overall pick. He's the high at 14 for draft prospects hockey and a low by Tony Ferrari of 34. He, I mentioned, had that incredible production as a, as a 16-year-old in the U20. And last season, he had similar production in the U20 and then played a lot of Liga games, but just three points in 21 games. This season, he had mixed results in his limited action. He only played seven games before suffering an injury. He only had two points in those games. One really nice goal, but the sample size is just too small to really say anything about, unfortunately. And it would have been really good to see more of him internationally. He did have some some uh, play there, but you know we didn't get to see him at the U20. He is a really smooth skating, smart defender who can kind of force uh, opponents into bad decisions with his gap control and his positioning. He's got a really good stick, skates well. He's shifty. He can really he can make opponents miss too. Uh, when he has the puck on his stick, he's pretty great. So hoping we can see more of him this season. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out for the entire season. It sounds like he could play at the U18, which I think would be huge for him. He's already played twice at the U at the U18s, both as a 16 and 17 year old. So wait, 17. Yeah, as a 16 and 17 year old. He's already 18. So we'll have to see about that. Looking at his PNHLE, he looks like. It's pretty low because of the projection this year, just uh, 30 
PNHLE, kind of guys like Eric Goodbranson, even Provorov. But in hockey prospecting, it looks a little bit better. He has some, he has a 15% chance of being a star there. And so some comps of guys. Well, I think the one that looks, he looks the most like is Mike Matheson, who, you know, is doing okay now, but not the most exciting projection. So both these guys also with injuries because Adam Yerchek also not playing right now. Both these guys are not playing because of injury. And that's why I think, you know, they're both going to fall probably a little bit. Yerchek, Adam, six foot two, 168 pound right-handed D. And yes, he is David Yerchek's little brother, but good size and extremely young for this draft class. So Adam is a June 28th birth date. And so David, if you remember, or maybe you don't, he was really old for his draft class. So the fact that he was playing professionally in his draft year was good, but it was also not as surprising because of his really early birth date. But Adam, he will be 17 this entire draft class. He's consolidated number 16. Smart scouting has him at eight. Love recruit has him at 27. So that's the high and the low. And unfortunately, just like his brother, he tore his ACL at the U20 World Junior Championships. It was so disappointing. He played, I think, two or three shifts and then had that happen. Before that, he was playing professionally in Czechia for the same team his brother played for, HC Plizen. And he had 19 games there, only one assist. So a lot of people were saying, oh, he's just, he's not scoring. But he was playing under 14 minutes a night, still managed really good perifs and was playing in a really difficult league as a 17-year-old. So you have to give him some props for that. When he played against his cohort, he was definitely dominant and he was a peripheral beast like his brother. So I think there's a lot to like there. He has good mobility, good offensive instincts. A lot of scouts have mentioned that he's really kind of raw, is Adam, a little bit less refined than his brother. But, you know, I think that part of that is his age. I mean, he's almost a full year younger than his brother during his draft season. So that has to be taken into account. When you look at the hockey prospecting and the PNHLE, it's basically nil for Adam because he just didn't, there were no points really to speak of this year because of the limited action. But I think that there was there was enough in his D minus one and and in other events to to like a lot about him. I don't think we're gonna see Adam anymore. I think that injury is going to keep him out through the summer. So unfortunately we have a really small sample set and that's gonna make for some really interesting events at the draft because you have this potential really high pedigree guy you know what his brother is doing in the ahl and the nhl and you see what he's turned into i think adam is a, is a better skater mechanically than his brother at this age so there's some there's some really nice pieces there but you just don't know because you didn't see enough of him so i think it's going to be tricky but between kiri haru and yeti check i would take your check 10 out of 10 times i just love the size the pedigree i love i love david your so it's hard for me to not like his brother, I know they're not the same player, but I think that the upside is similar. He's got good offensive instincts and he he's they're both just like mean and tough. You know, they play really tough. They play that pro style game already at such a young age. So I like him. But like I said, I would really be happy if either of these fell to me in the late first or, you know, heaven forbid, second round, depending on how deep your draft is. I would be pretty happy with either of them because I think they both have upside and just big questions during their draft season. So. That's value. That's the way I see it. You can get value on these guys. What do you think, Pete? Well, that was a lot of information. Thank you very much for that, Victor. It's really helpful. You know, I'm getting some Atu Ratty 
vibes from Kivi Haru here, who both went into the season as potential to be super high drafted players coming out of Finland two years out from their draft. And then, you know, in their draft year, really, really underwhelming and plummeted in rankings. And Raddy hasn't really rebounded from that. You know, he's been traded as a as a prospect. Now he's in Vancouver's system and still not on the roster, playing well in the American Hockey League. But, you know, there's questions of whether or not he's going to make it or be a bust. And this is a player who, you know, two years before his draft class, people were saying he could be the first overall pick in his draft. And Kibi Haru was at least top five a year or two out from his draft, if not number two, right? So a pretty pretty large fall from grace for both of these guys. And if we use Raddy's experience as as the model, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence in Kibi Haru's um, ability to regain his status, especially after missing an entire year of development draft year. Raddy didn't miss a whole season of development. So Juracek's also got that missed season of development in his draft year as well to contend with. So that's something to keep in mind. But looking between the two of them, I think I'm with you on Team Juracek here between these two players, just because I like the certainty more. And, uh, and he's got a little bit more development time as a 17-year-old. You know, you're going to have to wait a little long for either of these guys. But I think there's there's... I'm more confident in Juracek's floor than I am Kibiharu's, although I think Kibiharu's ceiling is higher, but I'm just not sold on it. And so if you're talking about players with lower floors, I'll take the one that has the peripheral edge in my fantasy league, and that's Juracek all day long. So that's, that's the way I see those two. Any thoughts on, on my takeaway there? No, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I didn't mention Kibiharu's thrifts and they're they're not anything to speak about so that's probably why i forgot to mention them there he he is someone who can do some decent shots but he's not going to be a big hitter or blocker so totally right that year check it has that high floor and yeah i think that the upside might be similar maybe if everything breaks perfectly right for kibi haru the points upside is higher but yeah. i think it's it's there, there's just way more questions there so yeah i i agree all right so my last comps went to the ushl for these two guys again a couple of pairs who i don't get to see very often so i wanted to look into them a little closer and that is sasha boyver versus michael haig so starting with boyver the is a center with the muskegon lumberjacks and next season he's going to go play in the ncaa at university of north dakota so a nice program there currently he's over a point a game player he is pacing for 61 points and 29 goals and 65 points. And he's a six foot two, 179 pound uh, center. And he's 17.9 in his age, the exact same age as Michael Hage. They are both born like within a month of each other. So similar in, in age. So for Boivere, Dauber Prospects gives him a fantasy upside of eight with an NHL certainty of six and a half, which is low. And his PHNLE is also 57, which is low. So maybe a bit of a boomer bust player here. The rankings 
He's a consensus overall 19. The high water mark belongs to Jason Bukla at Sportsnet and Sam Cosentino, who ranked him 15th and 18th. And he is a fringe first round player, according to Elite Prospects, Dauber Prospects, Craig Button, and McKeens, who all have him around 33 and 30. What he is is a skillful, skillful center with strong off puck movement and puck protection mechanics. Skating and defensive game need to improve to unlock his second line upside. So, you know, those are those are correctable deficiencies that, as we've said over and over in this podcast before, skating and defensive games are things that you can learn. You can figure that out. You can coach that into a player. They're not necessarily end of the world fault. Uh, hockey prospecting has him as a 19% star with a 52% probabilities. And some pretty weak comparables, a bunch of busts, guys who you probably never heard of, with his best comp being Maxine Talbot, former Pittsburgh Penguin, I believe. So, you know, for a player who is overall ranked 19th overall as a point of game at the USHL, not someone I think you want to reach on. Now we're going to look at Michael Haig, center with the Chicago Steel, who have been a powerhouse in the USHL, but I Pretty sure they're struggling this year. He's committed to Michigan. So that really good program there full of first round draft picks over the last couple of seasons. He's pacing also at over a point a game with 1.19 points per game. So a little bit better than Boivere. And he's looking at 56 games, 30 goals and 67 points. He's 6'1", 190. So pretty similar in, in size. Dauber Prospects gives him a fantasy upside of seven and a half with an NHL certainty of seven, and his PHNLE is 63. So a little bit more promising rankings across the board there. His high score ranking is 23. Chris Peters is the biggest fan of Michael Haig, and Elite Prospects is the lowest score, has him as a 42, so well into the second round. And what he is is a true dual threat center with great details to his playmaking game. Second line upside is attainable with work on his defending and engagement. Hockey prospecting gives him almost the exact same scores of star probability at 19 and NHL probabilities of 57 versus Boy Bears 19 and 52. Uh, his comps are not much better. A couple of busts and Linus Weisbach is probably his his most recognizable comp on hockey prospecting, which is not an NHL player and probably never going to be. So I think either of these guys are players who you'd be looking at in your fantasy draft when all the sex appeal is gone. And now you're looking at, okay, what's left, right? So there's going to be late first round, early to mid second round players in your fantasy draft, depending on how deep your league is. And between the two of these guys, I don't think there's a huge amount of upside between either of these players. But if it were me and, and I was picking Victor, I think I'd have to go with Michael Haig. There's a little bit more, I think, upside and, and promise with him. And I like the fact that he's going to Michigan as opposed to North Dakota as well. I think there's a little bit better pedigree coming out of Michigan these days. He'll be playing with some pretty great players at that university. Uh, neither of these guys are are particularly amazing, but I'm, I'm glad I got to know them a little bit more better. 
good English there. Which which one are you are you preferable to if you have to if you have to pick one of these guys? Oh man, that more better. That was pretty mm. good. Good way. I, to act, it. I, act, I actually said that. Don't don't edit that out. Amazing. <laughs> I also heard you say Haig and Hage. I think I heard Scott Wheeler say <laughs> that he met his mom and said it's Hage. That's right. So That's right. That's right. I've I've said Hague until I heard him say that. So, anyways, I agree with you. These are lower end, probably not super exciting, but there's some potential there. I, I really I, I and I also agree. Chicago Steel people may see that, and in the past they have been kind of like an all star team with really great talent. That's not the case this year. They have really struggled, and so they're kind of in the middle of the pack, towards the bottom actually of the Eastern Conference of the USHL. So. That's that you have to keep that in mind. I think between the two, I probably would lean Hage, but I don't really know both these players as well as you mentioned. So I think that they're both kind of good lotto picks. I like that they're both going to university. They will certainly round out their style of play and get stronger and bigger. So I think that's a great development path for both of them. I think that they're, if I had to choose between these two, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm glad I have four or five more months to think about it. <laughs> but I probably would lead Hank just based based on what I've heard so far. The dual threat, I think, is something that excites me in his game. But like I said, hard hard to know right now, really. Any other thoughts on these guys? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, if I, were, if I had to get either one, I think Sasha Boyver will, will probably be drafted a little bit higher. I mean, his consolidated ranking is 19th versus 24th for, for Hage. So you know, if you can get one in the in the 30 range, then I think you're getting better value than if you pick them in, in the teen or 20s range. Yeah, especially at the end of the draft, you're just looking at value. And so these are two guys. Yeah, they may go really late. You know, they may be second rounders, but, you know, would be worth a late first round fantasy pick potentially, depending on how deep your league is. So it's nice to know that there's some upside there for sure. Yeah, another another factor that I think falls in with me with the Michigan thing is Hage is likely to put up some numbers in Michigan because they're they're a very good team. And so that'll increase his value. And if you have a player who's scoring a point a game as a freshman at the NCAA level on an all-star team like Michigan, you can maybe take that pick and get some increased trade value out of it and trade him as a prospect and and get something a little bit more reliable that's just a potential fantasy strategy between these two that's some 3d chess right there pick the guy it's true like oftentimes i'll do that pick a guy that you think can pop off in the next season and even if you you either keep him or you flex him and trade him to someone else for for a different asset so always good to have that all right well i think that's that's pretty much it for this report thanks everybody for listening to the show this has been dauber prospects report number 46 and for feedback on the show or if you want to chat with us follow us on twitter at dpr underscore show at farling at victor nuno 12 and at sabrin 91 as you saw right off the top we got some feedback on this similar episode before we did another one so if there's things you like hearing on the show and you want to hear more of or things you don't hear and you would like us to talk about Shoot us a message. Let us know. We'll see if we can fit it into a podcast or make a whole episode out of it. Don't forget to follow us on HockeyPodNet. There's a lot of other great hockey podcasts on that show on Twitter. 
Subscribe wherever you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, you know it, leave a five-star review. We'd appreciate it. It helps us uh, be more findable for people who are searching for good content and keep us doing this longer. So thanks for listening, everybody, and keep your stick on the ice. Let's do that hockey.